Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Crazy week. Wild week. I mean, how much more crazy can our existence become? Uh, Trump's nuts. I got to say it that simply. He's out of his mind. He is a mental defective. So let me get, and I'm going to tell you, no question about it in my mind. There shouldn't be any in your mind. Uh, we're going to travel a lot tonight, by the way, also. Besides Washington, D.C., we're going to be in Greece, London, Ecuador, uh, China, Daytona, Florida, Russia, and Saudi Arabia. Let's go first to Washington. I'm going to start with what we heard uh, during his task force show last night. I thought the president was losing it when he was talking about presidential power. Obviously, it is very obvious he has never taken a course in political science, has never read a constitutional law book or an early American history book. This guy doesn't know that we are three areas, three separate equal areas of government, executive, legislative, Supreme Court, all equal in power to him. No, he's the omnipotent one. And so I, in my blog that I wrote this morning, I, my title was King Today, God Tomorrow. Because let me tell you something, if he thinks he's that big as president, ain't no place else for him to go but to God. That's his next, next seat. He'll sit up there and say, ha-ha, none of you are going to get here. I'm all alone, except for your few creeps who sucked up to me during my lifetime. Harsh words, terrible words on my part by a president, but it's very true. Uh, the problem with the president is if he believes something, it, it is. You know, he began life as an ordinary person. Well, not really. He was the son of a millionaire, got financed by his father to get started. He turned into a personality, then president, now a self-anointed king. That was his talk last night. He may have used the word president, power. He was talking about being a king. Tomorrow, tomorrow, God. Wow. He is lucky he made it to president, okay? Uh, he has to be stopped before he actually becomes a king. His words yesterday were loud and clear, and I quote, Authority of the president is total. Wow. Authority of the president is total. No way. No president has ever spoken that way. Not even close. He thinks that his power, his authority is total in his mind only. No way legally. Many of the governors will stand up to him for this and win. It amazes me. It really does. Trump is throwing responsibility for the handling of the crisis to the states. He has consistently said, this is not a federal problem. This is a state problem. We're happy to help where we can, but it's really up to the governors, et cetera. The states have to get their own you know, inhalators, their own masks, their own uh, suits, their own gloves, whatever they need. He says, because it's not our responsibility. It's up to them. 
the, the locals to take care of everything. Now, last night, he thinks, he may be right, I don't think so yet, that there is light at the end of the tunnel because things have flattened out. And from his perspective, he thinks, you know, this thing's going to be over pretty soon, which I doubt, but that's not an issue for tonight. He wants to move to the one thing important to him, the economy, helping big business. It is his road to winning the election, which brings up another issue. Uh, I worry there may not be an election in November. Or assuming Trump loses, he refuses to give up presidency on some sort of lame excuse like the election was rigged. How many times do we hear about rigged elections? He will not go easy. He wants to be Vladimir Putin, his friend, who remains the number one guy in Russia for I don't know how many years. It's now a couple of decades. And he's now reshaping the government again in Russia to stay until, I don't know, another six or eight years. Uh, I don't know. Trump's position raised powers, president, borders on madness. He is in the throes of usurping power. He's trying to take that which he is not, okay? Now, I say that Cuomo of New York and the other governors should mount their white charges, take him down, okay? Trump's rush to federalism is a charade, an absurd, an absurd pretense. That's the way it was yesterday afternoon, night. That's the way it was last night. That's the way it was this morning. That's the way it was this afternoon until around 6.15 tonight when he went on TV again with his task force meeting, uh, uh, talk of the day, how are things going, etc. Now his tone was totally reversed tonight. Uh, he was very calm. You know, he says, you know, this is the responsibility of the states. <laughs> A complete turnaround from last night. This is the responsibility of the state. Someone had obviously told him, you ain't going anywhere with this argument, Charlie. No court is going to stand up for you on this issue, even the Republican United States Supreme Court. And he was very calm. He says, no, it's up to the states. You know, uh, we've got, we've been stockpiling a bit, and we got a few inhalators, 4,000. We got so many of this, so many of that. We're happy to share them if they need it, but we got to be sure that they need it. Now, it's for the governors to go out and organize their states and ha have their mayors <laughs> and their county executives get to work on these issues. It's not for the federal government. Uh, what a turnaround, what a change. Uh, and I know what he's doing, and so do you. He's saying, okay, governors, up yours. All right, you don't want me to run the show? You're going to embarrass me? I'm going to give it to you now. I'm, I'm going to say bluntly, folks. He's saying, I'm going to shove it up yours, and you know what? Uh, he's saying, you can't handle this alone. No tragedy of this kind can be taken care of without the assistance of the federal government. And we're not going to help you. So you're going to fail. And when you fail, he said, if they can't do it, I'll look into it, he said. I'll look into it. And if I can help, I, I will. But let me tell you, if they don't do the thing right, I'm going to lay the blame where it belongs. So that's that issue about being at power and the president, being God and trying to become God. Which now brings me to the World Health Organization. Woke about first tonight. 
this was supposed to be the meeting, remember, on TV, where he's, he's putting together a second task force of business people to deal with how and when to open up the government again, to get people back on the streets, get people back to work. He wants to do it by May 1st tonight. That was last night. Tonight he's saying maybe even earlier. And the purpose tonight of his TV meeting or show or exhibition, whatever you want to call it, uh, was to introduce the members of this second task force whose sole responsibility was business, the reopening of uh, our lives, our existence, our businesses, get back to work. This country has to work. That's all it knows is working. This is what he's saying. I'm not saying I disagree with him on the latter part of the issue, but that's neither here nor there. That is what he is saying. Uh, so what does he do? There's nobody there. <laughs> not even Dr. Fauci was there tonight. <laughs> nobody was there. He had a few people who were middle liner staff people, four or five, who spoke. Uh, and they weren't necessarily on the committee. They were just talking about things they were doing. And then he read from a list of a list of the major corporations in this country, the major unions, the major religions, the major this, the major that. And he'd say, like, General Electric, so-and-so is the CEO, good friend. And he'd go down this list. He had to name at least 100 entities. And he said, I'm getting in touch with them. We're going to meet tomorrow or the next day. I forget which day it is. Tomorrow or the next day, he says, and I'm not going to have them all come in because they really can't travel now with the restrictions, but we're going to do it by TV. He's going to have maybe 100 TV sets in a room. They're going to Skype. I don't know how they're going to do it, but we're going to do it something like that. And he's going to talk with them, and out of that will come the committee. I'm going to tell you something. He is going to have difficulty, big-time difficulty, staffing the second task force committee, because who would want to be on this committee where... The certainty is more that there will be failure than success. And I only say there will be failure because who will you be answering to? Donald Trump. He will be the chairman. I don't care who he names as chairman of this task force, the second task force. Trump will be the chairman. And he will make the decisions. And if he doesn't like what the business people say, he'll say, I disagree with you. I'm president. You do it my way. So, we're screwed up there. Now he comes to the World Health Organization, and he's blaming them for everything under the sun right now. Uh, we give them a lot of money. We have for many years. Uh, we can't live without the World Health Organization or the CDC. They have done good for this country uh, for an extremely long time. Uh, he says they're in bed with China. He's always got to blame somebody else to connect them to somebody. You notice how he works? They're in bed with China, and they knew that China was having trouble with coronavirus, and they didn't tell us. I think they delayed two weeks. <laughs> he didn't say two weeks. I'm telling you, if you put the time frames together, they delayed two weeks in telling him. Well, give the organization time to send their people over and investigate and find out if there's truth in this. You don't know. But he's knocking them. And he says, we give them $450 million a year. China only gives them $40 million a year. We give them more money than anyone else. They've got to do their job right or we're not going to support them. Like, who the hell needs them? 
We need them. If you listen to people like this, but we, he don't listen to anybody. Now, here's what the amazing thing that didn't come out during this talk, and he always leaves out something that's important. Since he became president, that he's into his fourth year now, one of the first things he did, we do give $450 million or whatever it is to the World Health Organization every year. The World Health Organization also has a separate group within it that deals solely with epidemics. They study years beforehand what they think is going to be the next epidemic, the pandemic, and how to deal with it. And we used to give a lot of money to that. And we were supporting that or that portion of the organization, just like we did the, uh, the main entity. And guess what he did when he got elected president? Couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford it. He took it out of the budget. We have not given one penny to Donald Trump's administration uh, from Donald Trump's administration to that entity of the World Health Organization that deals with saving us from epidemics that are un... We didn't know we were going to have them. <laughs> All right? But he didn't tell us that, and that's the important thing, because we were caught with our pants down, and to a certain degree, the World Health Organization also. But he cut he cut the, the ground off from under them. He took their money away. Uh I don't know where the hell this is all going. I'm sick of all this. You're sick of it all. So we got to get back in uh, to a normal life. I don't see. I can only speak from what, what's going on here in Florida and what I read about in New York, what I listen to on TV. We're not going to be back to work May 1st because what's going to happen? I fear this. What's going to happen? There's going to be, because they say this virus runs in clusters in certain areas of it gets big time, not in the surrounding areas. We're going to have an area that's clean or very little disease. People are going to go back to work. They're going to mingle. They're going to go to church. They're going to go to the movies. Uh, they're going to go to sports events. They're going to go out to dinner, sit next to each other, go to bars, sit next to each other. All right? And what's going to happen? We're going to have a second wave of the epidemic. I'm talking in the next two months to the places he opens up because all of a sudden the people who come from another area in there are going to bring the bug in. And these people who are supposedly clean are now going to get dirty. And they're going to come down with the virus. So all he's doing is placing this country in a situation where we're just starting to level up. We haven't started going downhill yet. And He's going to take that and knock it on its ass, and that arrow is going to go back upwards on the board when we see it every night. And he's going to say, gee whiz, what happened here? I don't know. Everything was okay. Well, people are telling him you can't do this until you have many tests that tell you people are negative. Uh, now we talk about testing. I've gone way beyond my notes tonight, by the way. This is amazing. I'm off on a binge here. Uh, past testing. He keeps saying we have the greatest testing in the world. You tell me where the hell the testing is. We have 330 million people in this country. So far, we have tested less than 1%. We've got lousy data, and we're going to continue to have lousy data because we're not testing. Because he keeps telling us we've got the greatest testing in the world. You see, he says something he's going to do, and one of his cohorts, his minion, says, we did it, 
and it's in the process, but he doesn't realize that, and he thinks it's done because it's, uh, he said it should be done, and someone said it's getting done. It ain't done. We haven't gotten the test kits. We haven't gotten sufficient tests. We have a new test now. They don't have to shove the pole up your nose into your eyeball. They can just take a swab out of, out of your cheek. You can do it yourself on a drive-in. Where is it? I haven't seen it yet. Okay, have you seen it? So we're in a mess. What else can I say? We are in a mess. I apologize for taking half the show to tell you how I feel, to express my feelings. I am so concerned for us as a nation. I'm so concerned for everyone in this country. Uh, We're in bad shape. We're going into worse days unless this thing is handled very sensitively. And he doesn't know how to handle anything sensitive. He comes in with a battering ram and knocks everything down. He is the bull in the china shop. I want to talk about Greece for a moment. Greece has this problem. This problem's all over the world, coronavirus. They don't have the problem in the same numbers that we did, but they have problems. And they've had to do their self-quarantines. They've had to do everything. Um, their numbers, though, have been low. There's a doctor of medicine, doctor, and I don't know how to pronounce this Greek name properly, and I apologize, Soter, Soterios, that's his first name, Soterios Tisadis Ras, T-S-I-O-D-R-A-S. I apologize, can't not pronounce it correctly. Uh, he's Harvard graduate, Harvard grad, Harvard educated. He's a professor of medicine in, in Greece, and he has been leading the Coronavirus Task Force. That's his job. We have a task force here. I'm not sure who leads it. I think Pence is technically the leader, but I I think it's Trump. But anyhow, he's the leader, not the president or prime minister of Greece. He is the leader, and things are left to him. And he's doing a good job from what I gather. And he said something very interesting that I knew, I know, and I think you knew, and you know, but I want to say it because we have to keep it in mind because this doctor from Greece, who's the leader of the task force, has a different perspective on it. The old and the sickly, okay, are the ones who generally are considered will not make it. If they come down with the virus, they're, about 80% of them die. Now, I'm 84 years old. I've got a bad heart. I've got some other underlying problems. I may not sound it, but I do. I try to take care of myself. I think I do. Why do you think I'm in my house? I'm in self-quarantine. This is my 35th day. I have not been out of this house. Would you believe this? I'm fanatical, though, because I know, I know, if they take me to the hospital, they ain't going to keep me. They're not going to give me an inhalator. We've read about this, heard about it on TV and on the radio throughout the crisis in this country. That They're turning away people in, big, in the big cities where the problem's bad, like New York. If you're 80, they don't even take you in an ambulance to the hospital if you're 80 years old and you've got a physical problem like a heart condition. And what 80-year-old doesn't have a heart condition? You're left to die. We take care of the young in this country because they are the ones that can beat the disease and survive. They are the ones who got the inhalators, okay? Well, he doesn't agree that it should be that way, that the old and the sickly should be ignored. And he said, and I quote, 
There are mothers and fathers, grandmothers and granddads. Honor and respect every one of them, especially uh, because without them, we have no identity. We don't exist. Take care of the old people. They're your folks. Uh, Without them, who would we be? They made us, and they made us what we are. And that's a good attitude. And I like Greece. You know, I've been to, you people know I've been to Greece many times. I, sometimes I've stayed two months at a time. That's how much I love the country. I have a particular island called Amagos that I love. I go sit there for two months. Uh, the boat comes in once a week with supplies. There's three bars on the beach. That's where you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, they don't have any hotels or motels. You rent a room in somebody's house. I get a little room with a bathroom. I, I sit in the shade of a tree. I got the ocean 12 feet away from me, and I'm happy. And I read and I write all day. I do the same things I do here at home in Key West, but I do it there in the comfort of the vacation atmosphere. And I know the people. I've gotten to know the people over the years, and they're very happy people. And they're they're they to me they seem like they're terrific people, good people all. That's the way I would describe the Greek people. Now, they did a study in this country that just came out over the weekend, okay, and who gets admitted? I said if you're old and you're sick, you don't get admitted. This, this was a little bit different. It said if you were old and you were obese, obese, you didn't get admitted, which scares me too because in my old age I've developed, I'm not fat, I don't think, but i got to go. Uh, those two items are the largest factors in this country in deciding whether a person will be admitted to a hospital, okay, because they have a greater risk of dying. Why waste the inhalator on them or the good care on them? They're going to go anyhow. I read somewhere recently that 80% of the people who are over 75 that have been admitted to the hospital for coronavirus came out dead. 80% of them died. Numbers don't lie. Okay, so these things are affecting the judgment of those who control admissions to the hospitals. I want to tell you about Julian Assange. I talked about him on my podcast today. By the way, I'm doing a podcast several days a week, not sure what day, what time, on Facebook, three or four minutes, uh, under Key West Lou, Facebook Key West Lou. I title it, uh, What Bugs Me Today?, and I go off on a, like I do right now for a half hour, I do it for three or four minutes. Not as bad. Uh, I want to talk about Julian Assange. I talked about him this afternoon. I found a story recently very exciting. You know who he is. He was the owner, the starter, the president of uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia? No, not Wikipedia. Of... Um, what the hell they call it? I get mental blocks in my old age. Um, like Wikipedia of WikiLeaks. Thank you, Lewis. That's why they're not going to let me in the hospital because I'm forgetful. Uh, okay, WikiLeaks became started the company in 2006. In 2010, he got some secret information from some army source, some U.S. Army intelligence. And this is in 2010, and he published it. Okay, now the United States government's on his ass. They want to arrest him. They want to put him in jail. They chased him all over the world. He don't want to go to jail. 
Seven years ago, he ended up in the embassy of Ecuador in the city of London. And they've kept him for seven years until recently. And I felt sorry for him. Uh, because all I could think of, this poor guy, uh, it's not like being in jail, but what the hell can they be doing for him? Giving him a small room, some books and magazines to read, probably a TV set, and he's there. He has really no existence. He has no community. I can't believe the people in the embassy spend a lot of time with him. What's he got to do? It's a monastic existence. Well, not so, Okay. Because it's now come out that while he's been in the Ecuadorian embassy for seven years, he's fathered two children. Yes, Gabriel is one. Is three years old, and Max is one year old. The mother. The mo- This is this is sad, but this is a nice thing too. I don't know what the hell's right anymore. The mother uh, is Stella Morris. She's thirty-seven. She was one of his lawyers. She's part of his legal team, so she had access to him. And they fell in love. And they decided, they didn't get married yet, though. But they decided they wanted to have children. She's 37 now. Her clock's running. He doesn't know when the hell he's going to get out of the embassy. And they decided they wanted to have children. This wasn't an accident. They wanted to have the two children. But here's this guy in what I thought was a sort of a jail for seven years. He's having sex, God bless him. All right. Uh, Now he's in prison, by the way, because they let him out. The English people arrested him. He's doing a year in jail, I think, in London or somewhere thereabouts. And then he's got to come home to face the American uh, system of justice. I can't help but think, because he's in his eighth year now, I, I, I can't help but think he would have been better off facing the, the American charges right on initially. If he was convicted, he would have been out of jail by now. All right? Very simple. He didn't kill anybody. Stella seems to, is a very attractive woman, by the way. Children are beautiful. Her apartment, she doesn't live in the embassy with him. She's outside the embassy. Is very attractive. She says about uh, Julian, he's extraordinary, he's generous, he's tender, and he's loving. Okay. Uh, now, I'll tell you another benefit he even had. He saw the birth of his children. <laughs> they arranged for a video link hookup with the delivery room at the hospital and the embassy. This guy's had it not great, but he's had it pretty good where I thought he was having it bad. Which now brings me to China. China was the first one to get killed, to get struck hard with the virus. And they finally beat it because the Chinese people don't screw around. Uh, they, they beat the hell out the hierarchy, beat the hell out of the people to do what they had to do. And the people did this, you know, the distancing factor, self-quarantine, wear your masks and everything else. And they got the numbers way down, way down. Now people are walking around the streets again. Most are still wearing masks, but they've gone, they're back in business, okay? And what's happening? They've only been back in business a month, six weeks. They're into their second wave. A second wave of coronavirus is hitting China. And they believe it is coming from the Chinese businessmen who fly to other countries and then fly back. They're bringing the virus back with them, okay? And don't know if these people were tested, not tested, but now there's a second wave and people are coming down with coronavirus. And 
it makes me wonder, makes me wonder what's going to happen if we open up to business too early like Trump wants by May 1st. Let me tell you this about the Chinese, too. You haven't read much about what I just shared with you because the Chinese are quietly reimposing restrictions on their people, but they don't want the world to know they screwed up. This I can't understand. Let me say first, Governor DeSantis in Florida sucks up to President Trump like he wouldn't believe. I think he is the president's special pet dog. He's always laughing at Trump, Governor DeSantis. I really think the man's inept. He doesn't think for himself. Uh, everything is whatever the president wants, he does, even during the campaign when he successfully ran. So he is the only governor in the, in the country that has gotten everything he has asked for, plus more, you know, when it comes to inhalators and masks and everything else. He gets them, no problem, because he sucks up to the president big time. Well, very quickly now, my time's running out there, is a hospital called Daytona Beach Advent Health Hospital in Daytona, Florida, where the racetrack is, the International Speedway, okay? And as of last Friday, they are doing drive-in testing. We can't get testing. We can't get testing in Key West. Are you kidding me? Uh, drive-in testing, okay? And they are equipped and plan to do at least 500 a day. They've got the test equipment because of the president, because our governor is a favorite. Okay, that's the show for tonight. I am out of time. Uh, I deviated a bit on what I wanted to say, but it's all pertinent. This is all stuff that's today we've got to think about and worry about because our asses are on the line. We've got to get rid of this virus, and we don't want it to come back when we do. Having said all that, uh, it's been nice being with you. Remember, I do blog every morning, keywestloo.com. If you like the show, read my blog. Take you three or four minutes. I'm doing a podcast several days a week on Facebook under Key West Lou. What bugs me today, you'll enjoy that too. Other than that, thank you for joining me again this week. I look forward to being with you again next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.